Well, hello there, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Confused Breakfast Podcast. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the pure joy of a trip to the video rental store as a kid? You're darn tootin'. <laughs> the excitement of walking down the aisles, browsing the names of the artwork, and finally picking out the movie you were going to take home with you. You betcha. Sure, it's hard to beat the ease of the modern era and streaming platforms where you don't even have to leave your couch, but there was something truly special about making that trip in a snowstorm. Thank God you got the true coat sealer. <laughs> <laughs> Picking a movie out by hand and watching when you got home. On this podcast, we revisit and dissect some of our favorite childhood movies from that magical era to see if they still move us the way they did as kids. I'm your host, Mike Schulte, and joining me as always, two funny-looking dudes in a general kind of way, more than most people even. Sean Pryor and AJ Vens, how the heck are you? Oh, Very good. I'm uh, excited that uh, we're getting out of this uh, winter hell, Yeah, finally, and uh, moving into some better times. Well, I just came out back way Brainerd and uh, decided to stop on by and to see what... you mind if I sit down carrying a load here? <laughs> well, boys, right. on today's episode, we discuss the number 171 highest rated movie on IMDb, a movie that won two Oscars and is considered to be a perfect film on every level by none other than Tom Hanks. Nice. A movie that should have been called Brainerd. We're, of course, talking about 1996's Fargo. Well, damn, dang it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another nostalgic journey to the past with the Confused Breakfast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy wherever you are in the world. Take it away, boys. Thank you. Well, if you are new to this podcast, we'll be reviewing Fargo scene by scene with a modern eye. But in order to get there, we got to go backwards in time. We got to talk about it with pure nostalgia so we can strip it away. We got to talk about the first time we saw this movie, what our rating was. Sean, let's go with you first, man. Cool. Um, I was just getting into like Tarantino and everybody, Scorsese, Scorsese. Um, Oh, my God. I uh, yeah, I was getting into all of these filmmakers, and my stepmom showed me this movie by the Coen Brothers, and was I I, like said it was like kind of a quirky, kind of violent, uh, funny kind of thing, like those other directors kind of have, Um, and I loved it. I uh, I watched it over and over again, studied it, and then subsequently watched all the rest of the Coen Brothers movies. I'd have to say at the time, I'd probably say that this was a eight, a eight. AJ, what about you, man? Uh, eight. Um, <laughs> what you, uh, what you rated there? Uh, eight. Uh, Apple. <laughs> um, so Fargo was. I tried, guys. Come on. Like when I was a kid, I tried. I tried to watch it. I tried to watch. Have you seen movie. Fargo? Yeah, yeah. I'll watch it tonight. No, totally, totally. I'll, no, yeah, I got it. I got it downloaded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I. I Watching this, I can say that I have watched this before. I know this is going to be a shocker. I'm like, oh man, Adrian's seen it. I have seen enough of it to say I've seen it. That being said, it was always a chore for me as a kid to try to make it through this. Most of the time, um, I would be watching this and I'd make it to the point of him sitting down with the couple. And well, you see that, that true coat, you got to get that true coat on there, uh-huh. you know? That's about where I started to like fall off because I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's interesting about it. I don't know. I'm I'm not involved. It's quiet. It's not exciting to me. That kind of a thing. So honestly, like, I'm probably gonna give this like uh like a two point a two point eight. Two point eight. I'm kind of with you, dude. Um, I I finally broke my streak of movies I oh. haven't seen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good. Jeez. No. This. Um. I remember watching this. 
like renting it and going, oh, yeah, people have been talking about it. And then you're like, oh, it's kind of funny. They got these funny accents. And then somebody's like killed all of a sudden. You're like, what's going on? And then fell asleep. Like I could never, <laughs> I could never truly like watch this in one sitting. It, was, it just seemed so boring to me back it's in like the day. like a chore. Yeah. And, and some, maybe something about like the wintertime and mm-hmm. like, uh, like I, tr- I tried to watch, I, I watched it multiple times and never really saw the whole thing all the way through mm. a, a, in one sitting, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to call it a four wow. for myself. Uh, nostalgically, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, Josh Miller, as our executive producer, fine young gentleman there, he chose this movie. Mm. He said, morning, guys. I'm writing this review from the road. The girlfriend and I are on a two-week road trip from Texas to Washington State and back, All right. selling All right. my motorcycle and pick up our dog van, my dad's old minivan, and a side-by-side. We are in an Air- Airbnb in Amarillo, Amarillo, Amarillo. Amarillo? Watching it tonight, the girlfriend has never seen it. I'm pretty stoked we were doing Fargo. Kind of crazy it hasn't been done yet. It's probably been 20-plus years since I've seen it. I remember liking it, not loving it. I really enjoyed the first couple seasons of the TV series. Mm -hmm. If I remember right, I don't think the Coens really had anything to do with the TV series. I kind of feel that all the Cohen flicks are regularly good to great, but for me, lack the ability to rewatch. That's not a knock on the quality of the product, though. They have a style and a pace that I've always enjoyed, and I feel that they're amazing at casting and getting the score and the soundtrack just right. My only real memories of this movie is William H. Macy as Jerry Lundergaard and having to get that true coat. <laughs> I'm always like Macy, uh, or I've always liked Macy and always thought this was her, his best role until I finally watched Shameless. Francis McDormand's accent and the wood chipper scene are about it, are are about it. Speaking of wood chippers, have you guys seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil? You bet I have. <laughs> of course he has. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this rewatch though. My nostalgic score is a 7.5. So not too great overall nostalgic. We're talking 5.58. Oh, 5.58 nostalgically guys is going to take us ugh, 5.58. That's uh bottom 10 like right around 10th from the bottom. That's just above Tremors. Just below Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, nostalgically. Okay. I think that was it for um, Harry Potter. Too. I think it was, it was right about the there. exact same. Wow. I didn't. I didn't fill it out yet. No, Maybe it no. was. I don't remember. Maybe it was. Actually, Harry Potter was a five point six three. So this is uh, slightly worse than Harry Potter. Goodness, it makes nostalgically, sense. nostalgically. Okay, okay. We'll see what happens when we dissect this with a modern eye. But first, we got to talk to Sean about learn all the pertinent, important details of the movie. Sean, what do you got, man? I got produced by Ethan Cohen, Eric Fellner, and Tim Bevan. Music by Carter Burwell. Casting by John Lyons. Cinematography by Roger Motherfucking did, Deacon. Did you say cinematography? Cinematography by John Lyons. Cinematography and uh, sugar. Written, directed, and edited by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Cast: William H Macy, Steve Buscemi, Peter Stormare, Kristen Rudrud, Harv. Presnell, Tony Denman, Steve Revis, Larry Brandenburg, John Carroll Lynch, Steve Park, and Francis McDormand. Hmm. After the Coen's first five films being made mostly as small-budget indie films, Fargo marked the duo's first major studio hit. Casting for the role of Jerry Lundegaard was made easy when William H. Macy came in to read the role, but the directors were unsure about him. Macy would pester the filmmakers, uh, driving to every audition they had for the role and auditioning again. Macy said he was born to play this role, and his persistence paid off. Having worked with the directors before, Francis McDormand was a shoe-in for the role of Marge. Fargo was filmed in the winter of 1995 in the Twin City area of Minnesota in Pembini County, North Dakota. This was the second warmest winter in record making making this film. The crew... 
uh, had to travel to the northern parts of the state to get a uh, snow-covered ground. So it was like a like anything you do when you try and film something. Like, we'll just go to Minnesota. It's oh, they'll have plenty of snow. Plenty of snow. It's like, Amazing. nope, you got to move production. You're the revenant. You're like following it around like storm chasers. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Although the film states that this is based on a true story and the Coen brothers themselves have given different answers as to what it's actually based on, the most recent explanation given is the only true story in Fargo is that it's a story. Other speculations claim that the film is based on the murder of Hallie Crafts, whose husband killed her and disposed of her body in a wood chipper. Fargo was released on March 8, 1996, on a budget of $7 million. The film made $60.6 million at the box office, was nominated for seven Academy Awards, and as Mike said, winning for Best Screenplay and Best Actress, and has uh, secured an FX television series. That's all I got for now. Well, you guys know this podcast. You know us. You love us. You know that we need your help. We're just three dudes putting out weekly content, and we can't do it without your support. So things like sharing, things like supporting us on social media, those are the best things you can do for us. One thing that I'd really love for you to do, the trolls are out. Anytime anytime something on TikTok makes people mad, they just come to our they just come to our Apple Podcast Spotify and they're like one star. I hate those guys. Yeah. So this is your annual call to be like, hey, go hit that five star. Bump us up a little bit. You've been listening. Just hit the five star. Say we're, some nice words. We're That's nice guys. We're real nice guys. That helps. Uh, contrary to prior belief, that does nothing to the algorithm. Like people say, it just makes us feel nice. It's, yeah, it's very true. We're we're not we might not be Minnesota nice, but we're Iowa nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so. looks better. Who knows? And the only other thing you can do is hit that patreon.com slash confused breakfast. That is where you get more from us. You get bonus weekly audio content that is riveting. You get to vote on upcoming movies. You get a private Discord server where we're going to start doing movie watch parties. Uh-huh. That is all at patreon.com slash confused breakfast. Up next, we go to AJ. He does the research for us for ratings and reviews, critics and fans alike. What do you got, man? There's some pretty bloody scenes in this, but not as bloody as the, the tomato, tomato meter. Wow. Gross. We'll see here. 94% Woo. certified fresh. Where do you think that is? You think that's top 10? You think that's, that's number one, number two? Uh, I think it's got to be. I, is it number five? Just outside of top 10. It's number, number 11. Wow. Of all the movies we've done, that is tied with Saving Private Ryan and Speed, interestingly enough. Wow. Yeah, same movies. Yeah, yep. <laughs> They're basically the same. Basically. Wow. basically Saving Private Ryan is basically Speed. Yeah. See? You get good. it. Um, audiences agree 93% uh, on from Rotten Tomatoes and 8.1 on IMDb. Listen to this group of the movies we've done. That is tied with Jaws, Big Lebowski, yep. Stand By Me, and Jurassic Park. Fucking okay. good company. Right that there. is some pretty fucking good. We company. talk about how if you can get over a seven to the seven point one, you're a good movie. Yeah, you get in the eights. Whew. Shit, you're Ooh, just about that. a masterpiece. You're doing real. Well, you're darn good. tootin'. You're darn tootin'. Uh, <laughs> Richard Corliss did not like tootin' about this movie. <laughs> he gave it a forty out of a hundred. Richard Corliss at time said all attitude and low aptitude. Let's see who who gave us some more salon. Again, we're back to Salon. We're back. <laughs> the wigs in this, the wigs. Oh. they just, it just don't. They just doesn't work to don't the extent that this. the joke is on us, the audience, and the decadent taste, uh, and the decadent taste we've acquired for flashy violence. It works. <laughs> yeah. nah. You know what? They made a movie, and I watched it. I wa- <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was this movie. Did have you seen it? 
Yeah, I have. Cool. Let's not talk about it anymore. <laughs> That's great. All right. Roger Ebert wow. gave this 100 out of 100. Oh, wow. Um, he, they were big fans of this. Uh, Siskel and Ebert were isn't big there, fans. Isn't there a famous story that they like looked over at each other like, this is a good movie? Yeah. They, <laughs> like in the middle of the movie. <laughs> they, it's, they basically like E.T. touched and were like, This is why we do mm, what we do. This is what we this do. This is what we do it for. Mm. <laughs> mm. Just so happy, just clutching their their heart. Wow, what a movie! What a performance! <laughs> Those Coen brothers did it again. A camera does like a single pan for a character, and he just looks over. He's like, <laughs> "That's good." Oh, that's their Full House intro. Is them watching Fargo? <laughs> Gunshot goes off. Popcorn goes. What are we doing here? Uh, it's the tomato meter. Keep going. 100 out of 100. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times, rotates its story through satire, comedy, suspense, and violence until it emerges as one of the best films I've ever seen. <laughs> Damn. The best films that he's ever seen. I was wet in the theater <laughs> watching this. My popcorn was drenched. I don't know what that means. Well, in butter. Look, look here. Anders twenty eight. Oh, said Roger Ebert said <laughs> said best films I've ever seen. Anders twenty eight said one of the worst movies I've ever seen. One out of ten. This movie must be one of the most annoying films I have ever seen. The characters in the movie are incredibly stupid and talk in an absolutely annoying way. Seeing Fargo was a total waste of time and money. <laughs> 20 out of 44 people found that helpful. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow, wow. Just wanted to let you guys know. Good for them. Yeah, I think so. Uh, 10 out of 10, though. I could watch it every day. Yeah. <laughs> said Boyo 2 in 1998. Um, 1998, that'd be DVD times, right? Yeah, you're getting there. You're there? Okay. Oh, yeah. That'd be like, oh, I got the combo player, so yeah, I could play oh, yeah. VHS yeah. and DVD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, got the, you got the combo there, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, wow. That's a good combo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can do both of them. Can I love the weather the... today. I think cold front's coming in. Same timer. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got a same timer? <laughs> wow. That's what they call them. <laughs> DVD and VHS. Dual, dual same timer. Oh, you got a same timer. Oh. You got a dually, huh? You get that up in uh, Brainerd up there? You got yeah, the Walmart up in Brainerd. Yep, yep. Oh, wow. You got so, one of them dualies. Well, I got dualies on the truck, too. Yeah, oh, just yeah, in case gonna, you get caught out in the snow. You're going to need that. You got the truck the on sandbags the in the back of that truck there? Yeah. 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 Right. This is what the episode is going to be. Congrats. <laughs> uh, apologies to everyone that lives in North Dakota and Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> wow. Wow, you guys are really getting creative. <laughs> AJ. AJ, read the fucking review. Let's go. All right, you only get one more. Go. I really mean that, too. And I will admit, it helps that it's barely 90 minutes. Should have won Best Picture over the overhyped The English Patient, but McDormand should have lost to Brenda Blythen, Secrets and Lies. Loved the soundtrack, loved the end, loved the accents. Yeah. I can watch they this movie over and over again, but uh, Brendan Bergleison? Brendan Brendan Gleason? Is that what we said? It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You're right, it know. doesn't. Uh, I'll just give one, one out of ten here. Uh, Angry Kirby had this to say. Uh, snore. If people think this is a, if this is good, there is no hope for mankind. 
This was October 24th of 2004. One of the most boring and overrated movies I have seen. The plot is confusing and not interesting. The jokes are not funny, and the movie is bad. Why could anyone like this? I don't know. There's no question mark. <laughs> two cops investigate two murderers in two murderers in Canada. It is not funny, and it doesn't have a great anything. The movie is bland and easily forgettable. Why is this rated so high? The world may never know. I will ask Mr. Owl. Don't waste... What is going on? Don't waste any of your life on this. Watch anything else instead. If you like this movie, I suggest you see more movies. The jokes are not funny. <laughs> I like that line. <laughs> the plot is boring. That is it. Bottom line, bad movie. I give it 0 out of 10. That was a 1 out of 10 rating. Wow. Although he said he doesn't like this movie, he kind of took a joke from it, and he just says, the jokes are not funny, and the plot's kind of boring. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Hey, my friends, I'm here to talk to you about our amazing sponsor, Cedar Ridge Whiskey. Listen, we've been talking about them forever. You're sick of hearing about us, but that's because you haven't got a bottle yet. You're like, it can't be that good. It is. It's the best whiskey I've ever had. I've been a whiskey guy all my life. Well, you know, 21 plus, of course. Um, and, I, you know, I used to think Jameson was the best because, oh, it's Jameson. Yeah, it's like, no, dude, you need American bourbon, American rye, American single malt in your life. You don't need anything exported from outside of America. American made stuff is the best. And Cedar Ridge is widely regarded as one of the best whiskeys in America. You should go online. You should ask your local distributor that you want the flagship bourbon for your cocktails, for your for your homemade old fashions. You want the collaboration with Slipknot, which is bourbon and rye perfectly mixed together in pure chaos like Slipknot the band is. You want the American single malt, which is truly one of the best tasting single malts you'll ever have. Screw anything that's from Scotland. That stuff's terrible. Remember, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. You may not agree with me. Cedar Ridge may say, hey, whoa, tone it down on talking badly about Scotland. It's like, I can say what I want. This is my podcast. Cedar Ridge whiskey is the best. When you're sitting back watching a movie like Fargo, sipping on a cocktail of Cedar Ridge whiskey, it's the best. Go to cedarridgewhiskey.com. Order some. Drink responsibly. I love you all. Oh, yeah, don't you know? Let's get back to the show. Well, boys, it's time to start our tour of movies named after U.S. cities. We live in Cedar Rapids. Check. Yeah. Let's head to the next closest, Fargo. We can make the drive in our 1987 Cutlass Sierra. Maybe make a few pit stops to see some family restaurants to check on the fricassee. See how it's tasting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's winter. What else are we going to do? You betcha. Here we go. All right. All right. Why? <laughs> The scene one, Jerry Lundegaard is desperate for money and travels to Fargo, North Dakota to hire two criminals to kidnap his wife. He gives them a new Cutlass Sierra and promises them half of the $80,000 ransom he says he intends to extract from his father-in-law, Wade. He returns home and Wade is over for dinner and Wade treats Jerry terribly. Meanwhile, the two criminals make their way to Minneapolis but stop in Brainerd for some fun. We see Jerry during the day at his car salesman job. Um, based on a true story... Uh, what do you guys think about this sort of gimmick? I think they're making fun of this gimmick and like 
if you put it based on a true story on like Infinity War, people are going to be like, wow, really? <laughs> oh, oh, wow. We have to go see this and yeah. look it up. You know, um, I think that's exactly what they're trying to intend to do. Uh, and it, to the point where it fooled a lot of people, it fooled a lot of people like be like, oh, well, I know that stretch of road. I'm going to go look for that money. And people actually did. What f- Is that right? Yeah. People are nuts. It, yeah. Well, it, it. I think it adds to it. I think it, and it adds to you know the way a Coen Brothers movie is just made in general. And it, they write, they they present it in a very realistic way. Like it could have happened. Yeah. But I don't though. I don't know if you would ever present it uh, as such. Like the the line that got me in that um, uh, what what they present there at the beginning, and they say. Uh, out of respect for the dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't think you'd ever present it that no. way. Yeah. Out of respect for the dead, the names have been changed, but everything else is true. Oh, it's real true. And it's just like, I, I, you, wouldn't say, you wouldn't say it that way. <laughs> Unless you <laughs> were like really in funny. on the joke, right? But they committed to this. Yeah. And I mean, they, they, I don't think they even told the crew or cast or anybody until it was like well into production mm-hmm. that it was not based <laughs> on true events. This movie's so good at conveying winter time like like you i think we did our top five winter movies and i can't remember if this was number one on somebody's list but i mean this is like this is one of the movies you think of when you think of winter definitely you Mm. can feel how cold this movie is in fact i the coldest i've ever been in my life was in minnesota like something's different about up there and how cold it gets and you just like you feel this right away but then they juxtapose it you see that car driving you're like "Eh, fucking free i hate winter driving but then they get into this uh bar in Fargo, and there's something so undeniably cozy about a bar in wintertime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I want to go to this bar. My, my, my wife's like, Ugh, that's kind of kind of a rough place. I'm like, no, I want to go there. No. <laughs> I mean, they're playing they're playing Big City by Merle Haggard. Hell it's yeah. called King of Clubs. The King Clubs. King of Clubs. I yeah. want to go. I love it. because And you th- we've talked about these bars all the time. Yep. Yeah. It's exactly where you want to go. The wood paneling and, like, the, the dim lights and the... the Low lights over the tables. Cold the pool outside, tables. but it's warm in here. That's right, and the beer keeps on flowing. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, you love this type of bar. I love this type of bar. I love the score by Carter Burwell. Oh, yeah. uh, it's just huge and booming, and it doesn't seem like a story like this warrants this kind no. of you know huge booming score to it. Um, but I think it lends to the fact where it's just like the 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 minuscule kind of uh, meaningless life of everyday Midwestern. And, uh, but like those are just outstanding circumstances that happen. It, it, it's like playing on that, you know, where it's like the mundanity is what we talk about in Coen brother movies a lot, where the outs, that one little thing could be outstanding to a mundane life. Like it is in the Midwest, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the score perfectly kind of encapsulates that feeling of, some like a murder happening in like a small town. It's like whoa, you know, whoa, shit. Like yeah. it's you know the big, big town problems coming to a little town, uh, little town. That's know? why people move to small towns. Yeah, people and people in small towns will are always happy to say it. Well, you know, if you want big city, then go to go to Minnesota, go to Twin Cities. You can go to the Twin oh, Cities. Go up to the Twin Cities. Well, you can go on up to Minneapolis if you want that kind of stuff, but you come here to get away from it. We yeah. don't want any that kind of stuff coming down here. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. That happens all the time. And but then once you have those big disruptors and even like the police force is like taken a aback by this to some degree, it's like, I, I guess, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a crazy thing. But no everything about this movie is 
the opposite of incredulous. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like everything about it is is, and they're literally sitting in this bar, openly discussing this kidnapping. Yeah, the absolute politeness. About, like of Jerry, he's like, oh, well, Shep told me this time. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I'm sorry. Must I'm so sorry. He's peed three times. <laughs> I, had, I had my coffee filled six times. Yeah, I've had, to, I had to fill my coffee six times. You, you did say something, Sean, on the Fifth Element. You said that that nobody smokes cigarettes better than Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> but then we do this movie, and yeah. Peter Stormare was sitting there just lifeless, staring at Jerry, smoke coming out of his nostrils, not even moving a muscle. I think he might be my new favorite smoker. Honestly, he's, he's chain smoking the entire time. And the way he's holding his cigarette is like weird. It's like the butt's right here and it's going into his hand pretty much, you know? And I I love when he's just like sitting back dejected and be like, whatever, I'm just, you know. But then Jerry says something yep. and he leans forward to him. He's like, you know, he's I, so intimidating. Very menacing. without saying a fucking word. What does he say? Sixteen lines in this movie. Yeah, like Something fifteen, like sixteen and lines. He is, that he, has. he is so intimidating. Cohen saw him on in a play, and we're like, "You need to be in our movie, oh. please." I do want to take that further. I think he could have played Corbin Dallas in the Fifth Element. Ting. All right. Yeah. Really? Don't you, you got, think got they the kind of they got the platinum air? Oh my! Don't you gosh. think he could have done it? I think he had, no. He should have been fingers, and fingers should <laughs> have had a prominent role. Instead of Vin Diesel. (laughs) (laughs) You calm down over there. (laughs) Jesus. Gonna get our nerddom canceled. (laughs) Give me your card and cut the corner (laughs) off your nerd card. (laughs) What do you guys think about uh, Wade in this movie, like his first introduction? Watching some gopher hockey? Oh, hey, Wade, where are you watching? Gophers. 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 Uh, Oh, okay. Who are they playing? Doesn't answer. Just yeah. he's an asshole, dude. I've I've met and dealt with people like this. If we were on a train to yes. go punch a face, yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I think this is a valid. If you're going with Wade, I think it's 100 valid. I deal with people like this all the time. They they're generally yes, they are a little bit older, and they are so stuck in their ways, or they they just don't care to listen to anything that you have to say. You could be literally telling them great information or important information, and it just falls off their the like falls out of their head. Doesn't even hit. Doesn't do anything. Doesn't listen to anything. It drives me nuts. Yeah. To watch him interact with like with Jerry, but with everybody. And Jerry is the perfect pawn for this guy. Correct. You know, like Jerry. We'll, we can talk more about uh, his character as we move along. But yeah, Wade, I I definitely agree with you. I delivered like plumbing supplies to people who are just like, oh yeah. Well, yeah, you're not. If you drive like that, you're not gonna be doing this. Like, like I don't need a dad. Yeah, I, I already have a dad, man. Like, why don't you just shut the fuck up and let me do my job? Yeah. You know that kind of thing. I definitely know what you're saying. I, yeah. I can't stand people like this. Like, what if you're like what you said? They're trying to explain something to them, but they're just like, no, 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 no. And uh, they have to come up with the idea themselves. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, exactly. They have to come up with the idea themselves. And the dialogue, the dialogue is is uh, perfect. I think between these two. Where he says, uh, he's like, well, he's like, well, what were you wanting to put up there? He's like, that's, he's like, $7,500, that's a, $750,000, that's a lot of money. He's like, what were you wanting to put up there? He's like, yeah, well, we were going to put a lot up there. Yeah, I know it's a lot. <laughs> it's really You're smart. not listening to and me. You're just like, you're not paying attention. And it's like, no, it, no, I'm saying we want to put a lot there, like a car lot there. And he's like, oh, I had some car lots my day. <laughs> yeah, they went up, though, and they didn't do anything. It's just like, what Lost are you talking about? Lost a lot of money. Lost Wouldn't turn out to be a good thing. It's like, you're not even paying attention. 
You're not listening. Yeah, you're not listening. He, and and he's very hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, but and that's I feel so bad for uh, Jerry throughout yeah. this whole movie because he is stuck in this way. You know, he 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 doesn't have a backbone whatsoever and cannot get through to anybody, and it's a lot of his fault. Do you think? Do you think Jerry always sucked, or do you think like Wade drove him? Probably. I mean, he's probably been demasculated throughout his life with this family honestly yeah. not not gene or scotty or anything but yeah probably with wade and all his relatives he has to deal with I mean, on you that gotta th- side you gotta think about it he's he's literally he deals with them every single day oh because yeah. he's the owner of the dealership yeah, yeah he right? hired jerry yeah and so that's and e- that's even more de- demasculating you know? it's it's he works for him yeah going putting being put in that position for your father-in-law as the executive sales manager i think is what his title is right yep, yep. That's not power position, right? If you're doing it for him, yeah. That's not what that is. That's so he can control you even closer. Because if you were just a salesperson at that, at that lot or something, then that's at least you're farther removed from him. You know, you don't have to deal with all of his his BS. But he's got to hear it directly. Yeah. If he's that close uh, up the up the ladder. And even yeah. that line that Gene and Scotty yeah. never have to worry. Like, oh that, my this God. could be big for that. Gene and Scotty and I. Was like, yeah, Gene and Scotty never have to worry. I, I never hate to. that. That's I hate brutal. that so much. That was the moment where I'm like, that's my punchable yeah. face. Yeah, he's that's that a is brutal a line. Brutal, brutal. Line. That is if, if you're if you're experiencing that your whole life, you may, and you don't have a backbone like you said, you may turn to a life of crime like this. Yeah, like, I mean, and, you know, it's believable. It's throughout this whole movie, man. It is just like, God damn, you think this is the a good idea to have. Your wife kidnapped and then get raised money. Idea. It's like robbing Peter to pay Paul, like he says. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, and I think that brings up a good point, though, too. Of you feel bad for Jerry, but should you feel bad for Jerry? <laughs> you don't know. No, he's a piece of shit, right? right? You know, because at the same time, he's now putting. He's, yeah, I know he's in this predicament and everything, but he's making this conscious decision yeah. to have this done. Does he love his wife? I think so. Because if he loves his wife, then he wouldn't do this. Right. No, I think he's put doing, her through this. I think right? he's definitely doing this for them. I don't. I don't ah, think, do you think so? I think so. I think he. Well, I mean, yeah. I think that he is doing it for himself for sure, and to get it, get his ass out of you know this sticky situation. But I do think he does love them, and is maybe not. I, yeah, yeah, like what? Because what, then, saying, what's he going to explain it to them to be like, look, we got all this money. Yeah, I'm. Just he's got to live with this. The right. Let's. Just, this all pans out perfectly. Yeah, yeah. say it works out. 100% to a T, he gets everything perfect, <clears throat> works out well, and the, those two guys are gone and out of his life forever. They never come back. He has to live with this the enti- his entire rest of his life. That is he's never going to tell them. Extremely traumatic for his wife. Yeah. yeah. If, if it all works and he's, out. And he's going he's gonna to have to be dealing with that for what she had to go through so he could do this. Yeah. yeah. You kidding me? Man, that's rough. Yeah, that's pretty selfish, actually. Ah, jeez. Ah, jeez. Where's Pancake's house? <laughs> where's what? Pancake's house? We just ate breakfast. We, we don't want to have fucking breakfast again. We just had fucking pancakes. This is no Steve Buscemi's greatest performance. Do you think opinion. so? I think so. I'm gonna oh, be. I'm gonna be okay, bold enough okay. to say that I think this is his best performance. Not Airheads, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As Rex, yeah. Not Billy Madison, huh? Oh shit! Oh man! I know. It's, I know that that's that's wrapped in a joke, but think about it. Honestly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I. I love. I, I love them together too. Like, and I love the shots of this. Of they, they, they pick up the prostitutes, and it's the shot of them like 
having some fun in the room, and then it's the cut to them just <laughs> watching TV. The Complete- Tonight Show. <laughs> it's complete so- mundanity, man. That's yes. what it is. It's like, ah, excitement. Okay, back to normal. I, You know... <sighs> I, I think that this is that's the theme for me, or this is this is the thing for me about maybe Coen Brothers movies in in general to a degree, but this one especially, um, you know, turning what what would normally be taken to a an extreme or or a fun moment of like or a or a very risque moment of picking up prostitutes and then you're in all in the same room doing that. And taking what would be a very risque moment in any other movie and lots of cuts and angles and this and that and like maybe it got a little too far at Top one Gun point. Blue light maybe it didn't <laughs> dream in and the blue light and all that stuff and Tom Cruise Romantic pops in. Music. But, then he, yeah, yeah. but then instead it's just a single shot for about fifteen seconds and then it cuts away and they're watching tonight's show. And it just adds to the point of like everything is bullshit. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it, what can be exciting, it's not exciting. Don't get caught up in what could be exciting. That's not what this is. This is Fargo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're in North Dakota. We're in Minnesota. Like, yeah. yeah. Barren land. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, let's move on to scene two. So Wade and his accountant, Stan Grossman, steal Jerry's real estate plans and offer him a finder's fee. He dejectedly goes back to work and finds himself in some trouble with creditors on the phone. The two criminals kidnap Jean and hit the road to take her to a remote cabin. On the way, they're pulled over and uh, Grimsrud kills the cop and two witnesses. So this true coat scene. <laughs> is it iconic? This is... Uh, <laughs> I think mostly every scene in this movie is the best scene in this movie. <laughs> like, oh, this is my favorite scene. Yeah, like oh, hey, this is my fa- no, this is my favorite. And scene. every time I watch it, it changes. I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait for the mic scene. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I this scene is incredible. I well, you're gonna need that true coat. I just, know? I just, <laughs> oh, gee, that true coat. It you know, it comes on, well, comes on the there, car from the factory. You're sitting there telling me this, and you told me two weeks ago that I was going to walk off with the car, right? You're just these. <laughs> you guys. told me, come on down here. It was ready to pick up. Nineteen five. We said nineteen five. <laughs> you sat right there, told me nineteen five, and I didn't. I said no true coat. You're a liar. And all these guys are a, a fucking liar. <laughs> fucking liar. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. <laughs> It's like, well, these guys down here, <laughs> these guys, these all the same. It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. They <laughs> said they said apparently that was actually like a yeah. verbatim yeah. S- something that happened to one of the Coen mm-hmm. brothers, where they were the guy on the other end going, what the fuck is going on? You told me you weren't going to do that. You told me to come down here. And I love this, because this is exactly what, what has to happen. I mean, it happens in, in, in not, just, not just car sales, but just any sort of probably retail of any kind, where... Well, I'll go talk to my boss. <laughs> and you go back there and you probably stand and you banter with one of your coworkers for a couple of minutes. You know the Gophers game? You got, got any extra, extra tickets? tickets? Are you serious? <laughs> is, is he saying, are you serious? Meaning, like, of course he doesn't have extra tickets. Or is he saying, are you serious? Like, you want to come <laughs> right. with me? Really? It could be either like, way. I don't know what he's I, I don't I know. I think what that's I'm, a particular, like, it, uh, uh, Minnesota thing on th- purpose that they probably get. And yeah. that's it, you know? Uh, and then and then he goes back and he's like, no, 
we never do this. Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got a deal for you. It's like, that's not a fucking deal. It's about to come out of your mouth. $100 off of that true coat. And he's just like, this is ridiculous. You know, give me my checkbook. Let's get this over <laughs> that, with. But that is like cutthroat sales 101. Mm-hmm. Shut your mouth. Yeah. Like, because notice, like, if he would have kept fighting back, been like, well, no, listen, like, yeah. we're, th- then they would have kept arguing. But the fact that he just went dejected and just shut his mouth, the guy eventually goes, he talks himself into it. Fine, just give me my checkbook. Mm-hmm. That's like sales 101, man. The, 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 Annoy them until they give you money. Well, in, fact, in fact, you try that next time. If you're buying a car, mm-hmm. just don't say anything. Just sit there and get really awkward and just stare at them. Because they'll keep talking. They'll be like, well, well, maybe we can be 200. Maybe we can knock 200 off. And just be like, mm. uh, let me ask my boss about three, 300. I bet, I bet we can do 300. They'll continue to yep. talk to them, talk themselves into it because, because they want to fill the air. Yes. Because they're the ones who feel like in, their, in the awkward position. They're putting on the show right now. Yeah, exactly. And you're not, and you're not applauding. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, but it's so funny and it's, it's such a, it, it is an iconic scene and it's gotta be a Coen brothers thing, right? Like the yeah. repetition of, of dialogue, right? I, I, I think this is completely a Coen brothers thing where they nail whatever character or like whatever kind of like subset of America they're trying to portray and especially Midwesterners Mm. because they're from Minnesota. You know, I think they, they absolutely nail this. And I think you could even say, and I don't know if I, I maybe expect this from you later on, Mike, of like maybe scenes not even needing to be here, like the Mike scene. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll get there, but I'm just saying. Like I think it, I think you do need that. I think it completely puts you into this realm yeah. of these uh, almost passive aggressive um, <laughs> midwestern mid- midwestern nice kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And I, they fucking nail yep. that. They especially have, in their dialogue. They definitely have that kind of a, a uh, like feeling towards midwestern nice. I think. Yeah. They understand the idea of like. Everyone will you present as nice, but everyone has their own agenda. Yep. Yes. Oh yeah, and they'll get there one way or the other if they're just persistent and uh, persistent enough and nice enough to get it. Yeah, but right underneath that niceness is a, a rage, right, of, of <laughs> mundanity, and you ready can to tell. say, "Well, f- fuck you." Yeah, <laughs> oh, You're a fucking oh. liar, You're a fucking liar. So when you get to Jerry's, got this meeting now with Wade and Stan Grossman, and. Mm. Uh, like you know, first time you watch this, you're like, "What the fuck?" Like you're you're really feeling sorry for Jerry. Um, but I have a question for you. Did he did he take the ten percent fighters fee or not? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Maybe he it's did. just like not enough. That's seventy five thousand dollars. Oh wow, okay. Ten percent of seven hundred fifty thousand. So like, does he 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 either takes it and it's not it's not enough, so he just like whatever he views it as like fuck, it's not enough, or. He like stands on his pride and goes, "Well, no, I want the whole deal." And then they go, "Well, fine. Then you just don't get anything." Yeah, they like cut he, him out he, of it. He may have been too prideful, and they just said, "Well, fine, you're cut out." That I mean, the way his life is going, that could definitely, yeah. very well be the case. I'd be fairly happy with seventy five thousand. Uh, yeah, it's there's uh, it's it's really hard to determine how much he genuinely needs. And there's a point on the phone when he said it's about it's like uh, the number three hundred twenty thousand dollars comes up. That he's he must be borrowing against. There's like an embezzlement well, thing. The, yeah, I it's it is it is hard to tell exactly what he wants this money for and what he's going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Is he paying off those debts? I don't think he is. He already basically already stole that money. Yeah, the, the three hundred fifty thousand he he stole. Is that is that what <coughs> right? No, because like, yeah, he he pretended like there were cars. Right. Yeah. That's so it. so he already technically has that money, three hundred fifty thousand. Right. And I think he's you know. While in debt, trying like paying these gangsters, 
some of that money. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's got to be. Using he says. That he money. says in the beginning, he's like, "I'm in. I'm in trouble," and and we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, so that's, like, that's a personal. Is this a, is this like a gambling thing? Mm. Uh, he clearly loves golf. Like, yeah, that's right. Is, is, does he have like a, a golf betting out. problem where he's out there on the course, like betting thousand dollars a hole or something? But yeah. I think they never touch on it, and it's fine. Like, you don't yeah. need to know. You just you just need to know he's in trouble. You yes. don't. You, you don't just need, need to know, know he's in big trouble, and he's willing to do this. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's the thing is like you don't need to know. Just like for for somebody like me who wants a little bit of explanation, yeah. who wants a little bit. Like, I think it would have helped. It would have helped me at this point to at least gain. Uh, even a solid number because still and so that must mean then and in the end like he's asking for like a million dollars at that point and he's going to give these guys half of 80,000 he's going to give them 40,000 so 40,000 dollars and a car and so it's it's the idea of like we never nail down a number and he must be lying to almost every yes, single correct. party mm-hmm. at this point everybody's every, getting get lied to everyone is a different story to him and he's yeah. he's lying to everybody about something yeah, I and it's this is one of the most scariest things to me. It's almost like as scary, if not scarier, than like my fear of like prison imprisonment, um, of getting behind on money like this. Mm. You know, like I've been on hard times before, and out there I've been in positions where I'm almost like I I could just steal something. You know, like just the the intrusive thought that gets in your head. But then mm. for some people like Jerry's, like that intrusive <laughs> thought gets through. And does something happens. like this, you know, and yeah. and fucks it up royally, you know, and gets in like this is a very very like that economy, you know, of of this story is frightening. Like if you get behind that far, like you're gonna your whole life's fucked, you know, yeah. and you can definitely see that in his face. And that even when he does come out of this deal with Wade and uh, um, Stan Grossman, Stan Grossman, the shot of the parking. Ugh. The loneliest shot, maybe in cinema history, that I've ever seen. Just the one single car and like the planters and the way it's parked, weird. It's it's one of the coolest shots I've ever. seen. I one hundred percent feel Jerry in that moment when he's trying to scrape. Like especially, I love it's it's funny. <laughs> that, that, it's funny, yeah. Because he gets in the car, he's like, "I'm about to leave," and he's like, oh, "Fuck, I have to scrape the car. <laughs> I have to get out and, and, and stay here a little a, bit longer." Such a midwestern thing, but or then, like. Yeah, but then he fucking he freaks out. Yeah, throws the thing, but then realizes he still has to pick it yes, back up. He still has to it's scrape so the window. Pathetic, you know. It's so pathetic. But you, he can't even help himself. Exactly. Oh. I, it's so perfect, and the way uh, William H Macy plays it is just incredible. Yeah, and so it kind of takes me back again. Like, and so, oh boy, it just, this just took oh, me geez. into a moment because now it makes me think that Wade isn't actually a bad person. He he just realizes how big of a shitbag Jerry really is. <sighs> You're humanizing Wade. I mean, I just humanized Wade. He's just like, this is my only daughter. And he's like, and I. She's married to an absolute piece of shit. I've seen, I've seen through you from the get go. Maybe he's given, maybe he's given him a bunch of money in the past. Maybe that he he's has. now that he's just fucking blown through. Exactly. I even thought too, like maybe um, that, like Jerry did have a problem for something in the past, and and Wade has had to bail him out several times before. And so yeah, he gave like, him the that's job. why gave him that job. That's why he treats him like shit. Is probably just like okay, okay. I don't know what my right. daughter sees in you, but uh, you know, I guess you're a good dad, and you're not. But well, he's <laughs> yeah, not right, a good dad not, because at this moment of uh, when um, when they kidnap Gene, they're when they're talk about it. He even says he's like, "Well, how's Scotty doing?" He's like, "Oh, geez, Scotty, he forgot about yeah. his own son." Yes. He, he wasn't even about thinking it. about Scotty. Yeah, he didn't even think about it. <laughs> Never even crossed his mind. 
the the kidnapping scene is fantastic. I I still it still makes me like well, I'm watching this where he's in the bathroom and he's getting the stuff for his hand and he and he stares in the mirror. I always still like forget that she was in there. Yeah. And it's it's pure genius of that moment where he's like, "Wait a minute." She's in the shower. You're, ah! you're kind of following uh, Carl, right? Steve Buscemi's right. character. Yeah, he you're took kind of, off. You're, you're kind of following him through the whole scene, and then the the, the camera's locked off right there, and then uh, Carl takes off to presumably outside, and you're like, why are we staying on Peter Stormare for right now? And it's just like, and then it does that. It's so brilliant. Yeah. That, that is just like pure cinema. Yeah, like, it's it just really like, is. Oh, score ah, come on, brothers. Come on. Ah. It's, it's ah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Three <laughs> did you know? Did you notice that Playboy in the bathroom? Uh uh-uh. In the reading rack next Scotty. to the toilet. No, Scotty. that's probably their only bathroom in the house, right? <laughs> oh well, it's a pretty big fucking house. Yeah, nice house. So is that Scotty's Playboy? I hope so. Kind of weird that it's just right out in the middle of nowhere, though. You know, yeah. so he re- he likes the articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he it's, likes it's the articles. Very good writers in there. Forums. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> uh, when they take her away, and it's the tags. Again, this is like this repetition of dialogue. That's ah, my tags. I'll take care of it. It's just the tags. It's the tags. They say like tags like nine hundred times in this in this scene, and like I just don't understand what it is. It's like just to drill it home. It's a, it's like a it's like a red herring of dialogue. We want you to focus on the tags, okay? Okay. What else? What else is going on? I don't know. It's just like. There's a part that there's parts of it that I appreciate. There's parts that are very frustrating to me. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel when he when he says like, oh, "Don't worry, I got I got yeah. this." It's just the tags. I feel like almost kind of like safe. I'm like, okay, well he's, he's right. gonna get this. I got like he's got this. Okay. And then he shows him that 100, and he's like, "Oh, we can take care of this uh, right here in Brainerd." <laughs> didn't you? Like, didn't you think it's gonna do it? Like, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> and yes, he is. I'm just like, how bad. Could you have fucked this up? Mm-hmm. And like that's that's the thing you go through. Like I'll take care of it. It's just like you could have done anything, any else. number of things, anything else. And then Stormare notices it, and he's like, and he pops right. that guy. And uh, Carl's or Steve Buscemi's reaction, I love yeah. because it's I love the the rear view reflection from the headlights of the cop on his eyes. He's like, whoa, <laughs> like he's never really daddy. seen that kind of violence up close before. Like, oh, daddy. Whoa. And then Stormare just like with a cigarette in his mouth, like no, no big deal to him. This is a even like a Coen Brothers kind of thing as well, because they do this in Blood Simple, this kind of crime that happens on a highway and the reflection of uh, headlights in the background. And then there's like people going by. And um, one thing about that person who does go by in the red coat, that is um, I forget who that I think it's. uh, like their assistant editor or something like that on the okay. film. Prince? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's It had the Prince symbol in the I credits. Saw, yeah. I saw that. I was like, I don't. I, I had to go back and look. It had to be like me. a Minnesota thing because yeah. like, they're from Minnesota. But yeah, yeah, this is an incredible scene. I It's it's completely uh, rolls the plot along. And you know that this is... Now we're going. Now there's dead people. Oh, man. Now there's dead people in this simple, oh, it's just going to be a kidnapping thing. Cool. We'll get some money, you know. Situation's changed, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't don't you think, like, if you're if you're Gene in the backseat of here, don't you just yell, ungod, like, flip the thing off and yell at the top of your lungs the minute that cop gets next to the car? Yeah. yeah. I mean... I don't know. <laughs> well, because... Well, no, and, and this is... We'll get a little deep here. They, they do say that, like, hopefully this doesn't happen to someone but 
like I, I think about it a lot that it, they're basically like if you ever get kidnapped, somebody's like gunpoint, like, like, OK, I got a gun on you. You got to get in this van. They basically say that no matter what, whatever's going to happen to you later on in that van is going to be worse. It's going to be the fucking shittiest Don't thing ever. Ever go to a second location. Just just literally take your chances and just run at that point, even yeah. though they have a gun on you, you might get shot and killed. But, like, it's going to be better than what happens down the road. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing for Jean, almost. Like, she could have just freaked out here and maybe gotten saved. Especially, like, or as maybe killed, but as it's still better. Her from her home, scream your fucking ass yeah. off. You know, mm -hmm. try anything. Don't, yeah, I think last podcast boys say it a lot. We're like, don't ever go to a second yep. location. You're just, done. You're, you're either dying here or getting away. Like, yeah. that is it. No. Yeah, not to bring it down, but hey, maybe maybe save, maybe save some lives. Maybe out there. Yeah. To, confused yeah. breakfast, You're trying to save lives. That's okay? all we're trying to do here. All right, all right. We don't want you to get taken away. <laughs> all right. So the following morning, Brainerd Police Chief Marge Gunderson investigates the crime scene. This leads Marge visiting Jerry for questioning. <laughs> Marge also has an awkward meeting with Mike Yanagita, a former high school classmate. Carl is with another call girl in Minneapolis hotel room when Proudfoot enters and attacks him. Carl then calls Jerry and orders him to deliver the ransom immediately. Wade insists on bringing it and meets Carl at the parking garage. Carl kills Wade, but not before Wade shoots him in the jaw. Do, don't you just love old Margie? Margie. Is this one of the greatest characters in cinema history? Like one of the most empathetic and lovable characters in cinema history. It, it's so amazing to me. I like at first I'm thinking like, oh, she won the she won an Oscar for leading role, and she's not even she takes 33 minutes for the leading role even gets into the movie. And right. I I remember the first time I saw it going, yeah, it's like it's funny. Like it's like it's kind of funny how she talks, but mm. it, she's just this dumb lady. But you really realize, like, this movie takes you on a trip from beginning to end on seeing how truly smart she is. She's very good at her job. And she's just got that Minnesota nice up front in pleasantries, but inside of her brain, it is working like a fucking machine. Especially when she talks to Jerry, and he, like, I kind of turns on her a little bit later, yep. you know, and gets a little snippy with her. She, like, her, her, like, ah, yeah, just, you know, if you do a lot check or whatever, and he's like, you know, do a lot check, he's like, no need to get snippy with me, sir. Like she realizes at that point, like something's wrong here. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. she's very smart. You're right. She she fully deserved the Oscar for this. Absolutely, like, it's fantastic. It's like this this blind drive of the character, like of of what people do in these situations. They get the call. They got to get up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Get some you just got to get up. Well, you got to eat something. Got to have your. I'll breakfast. make you some eggs. Nah, you don't have to. You can still sleep it. Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta eat. Get, you, you gotta, gotta have breakfast. Gotta Margie. eat your breakfast. And he makes the eggs. I really liked reading about these types of scenes um, because there are moments that these conversations, and it's very true. Probably most of the time, the other person who's like talking about police work or talking about what it is, and the Coens, I believe, said to uh, who plays um, um, what's it, Norm. John Carroll Lynch. Yeah, so he doesn't care about any of this. Yeah. He's yeah, just he, waiting for it to be done. Yep. That's all you need to know. He's yep. like, oh. And it like clicks. It's like, and again, it's just the, his look, his look is about as good as anything too. When he's just sitting there and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> takes her plate. <laughs> that stuff is, that's the stuff that I, I get taken aback by. 
And, you know, those are the little things. Yeah. And then, again, being able to to leave it, leave the camera on. Most and, people and would like, cut that shit. You, you mm-hmm. end up cutting it out, and she comes back in. Prowler needs a jump. Uh, okay. <laughs> that to, You know, they consciously did yes, that, right? They consciously made that decision because that's exactly how it feels all the time. <laughs> because, And that's exactly the way it is in the Midwest. We go through things, <laughs> something comes up, well... You just got to deal with it. Yep. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Perfectly He's, captured. He just loves his wife, wants to make her breakfast when she gets up, yeah. and paint his uh, stamp things, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then go fishing. And go fishing. Nightcrawlers. nightcrawlers. It's, it's so simple. But then there's a murder she's investigating. You yeah. Know? It's, so, it's such a good juxtaposition. It's the simple life being interrupted by what's something is very, very big and serious, like, a mur- like triple homicide Yeah, at, at this point. And that's what... But they're still... Well, I brought you some lunch. <laughs> you know that yeah. kind of crap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be so mad if at my job somebody just kept using my name with dumb questions. Yeah. Like, oh, I know you think so, Margie? I, I, I know like it's pleasantries, it. but my God. Like if somebody was just like, what are you doing over there, Mike? You fixing your microphone, Mike? Oh, you got the cable on there, Mike? What do you think about the episode, Mike? <laughs> what do you think there, Mike? We know that we're, we're the only two people here. I know who you're talking to. You don't have to say my fucking name in every question. It, it goes back. It goes back to that like kind of uh, getting to know somebody. And oh yeah, you know you want to you want to kind of get to know people and break down those walls. And so use their name. They, people people love hearing their names. So use their name a lot. And mm-hmm. like you have always, you've met somebody who does it over ah, over the top. Oh yeah. And they and it's it becomes annoying, not not pleasant. I totally agree. It's, wanna, it's very frustrating. I want to talk right. about the cinematography in this and like the color palette of this. Like a lot of the, um, like snow obviously is like very very white, but it's almost like a gray white. And then you mix that with the with the reds in this movie, like the blood especially, and even that jacket of that victim laying in the snow there is so bright. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the reds are very heightened in this, and I like that about it. And then everything else is just kind of muted, or like if they're in like a family setting or like a bar, it's like a lot of comforting yellows. You know, I it's a very very cool choice. Roger Deakins obviously is one of one of our greatest uh, director photographies of all time. The Deeks, yeah, Deeks, Triple Deeks, gotta have them Deeks. <laughs> um, triple Deakins. What would you guys? I, I love how I love the all the the funny looking. Descri- descriptions of Steve Buscemi, you know, oh, he's just kind of funny looking, yeah. you know, that that role was written for Steve Buscemi, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they knew it was Steve Buscemi. And it's funny because that's how you did, like, that's how you describe Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Like, how, <laughs> if, 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 if you saw Steve Buscemi walk in, and you didn't know who he was, and you had to like report him as stealing something, and they're like, can you describe what he looks like? How do you describe Steve Buscemi? Kind of funny looking. Kind of funny like, looking. I, I like him, but he's very squirrely. He's but, shorter uh, guy, smaller. Yeah, yeah. What's oh. his face? Ah, it's kind of funny looking. Funny looking. I, I fucking love that because it's it's just spot on. Like in a spot weird on. way, or just a just a general kind of way. Yeah. Just a general okay. kind of okay. way. Oh, and so you were so you were having sex with the bigger fella. <laughs> Where are you guys from? Well, actually, I'm from I'm from up like by White Lake. Go Bears. <laughs> <laughs> John Candy moment. Yo, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh man, I was like, is that John Candy's like daughter or something? Like, I thought it was hilarious. Go Bears. It's like, this is my deal here, Wade. I don't know what to tell you, and like he gets shut out of this deal completely. Uh, and it's just, it's so heartbreaking to see this. I fucking. Uh, but then I got also going back. I think a little bit where he's. Uh, kind of rehearsing what he's going to say to Wade on the phone. He's After like, the kidnapping. Oh, jeez, Wade. Oh, how God. 
Oh, wait, it's terrible. Oh, my. It's Gene. It's your wait, daughter. It's Gene. It's, he gets on the phone. Like, wait, it's, it's my wife. It's, it's my wife. It's your, it's your daughter. Your daughter. He it's gets on the phone. Oh, wait. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Wade Gunderson. Wade please. Wade Gunderson. Please. So fuck you <laughs> don't so you don't need that at all, but you do. That is that is the Coen Brothers, right? This, yes. Like this movie is pure, concentrated, unfiltered yep. Coen Brothers. If you like, think... if you want to like, what's a what's a Coen Brother movie like? Yeah. Watch Fargo. <laughs> it's got just watch it. You'll have fun. And I think I think William H Macy kind of came up with that little bit. Oh, about so it too, good. and and that when he's when like, the don't Coen you think brothers he'd want to he he's got to over prepare for this. Yeah, and he when the Cohen brothers heard this, they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's great. We'll just he didn't do much of any ad libbing either, though beyond that or like writing or anything like that. Apparently, all the little stutters that William H Macy does is Jerry Lundegaard. Lundegaard are basically written in that script. Yeah, like yeah. he he tried to stay it to it to a T, and he apparently he did very good at that. I love when he calls. He finally gets a hold of Carl, and uh, he's like, "Well, h- how's my wife doing? How's Jean? Who's Jean? How's Jean? My wife. My wife. <laughs> he's like, I don't even know her name. <laughs> like it's just like Jesus Christ. Like like yeah, you 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 put your wife to these wolves basically. Like you you didn't think something wrong was going to happen. Blood has been spilled, Jerry. Blood has been spilled, Jerry. And, uh, there's just this constant, and maybe maybe this is a Midwestern thing too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's something about me not paying attention. I wasn't really listening. <laughs> um, but maybe it's just a thing where it just seems like there is just a constant disconnect of information being passed back and forth between every single character. Much like how I how I was saying, I think Jerry's just lying to everybody and telling everyone a different lie. Yeah. I don't think anybody actually listens to anybody. Who's Gene? My wife, the person you kidnapped. Yeah. Like nobody's listening to anybody about anything in this movie. And it just but but it just keeps spiraling along somehow. Mm-hmm. Do you I have a question for you. Do you do, when Margie meets Mike? Yeah. <laughs> is is she like is this like an old love interest of her cuz she she like looks really nice yeah. and she's like very wanting to make sure she looks nice before mm. meeting him like is this like a is this a meetup like like an old flame I thought that too I don't I don't think so I think Margie's just the nicest person in the world you think and, so? and kind of wants to see an old friend and uh get get to know him a little bit see how he's doing with his life so far I think they if that was the case I don't know why they put the like her making sure she looks all nice so you think you think they've boofed in the pe- previous? That she may have been going there to boof. Okay, see, uh, Do, I mean, I see. I don't know if she went is going the, there. The pregnant thing throws that theory off right. quite a bit. I but. don't know that she's going there to do that, but I do think it's kind of one of those things that if you're if you are going to see, if you are going to see, um, like, even if it's like a class reunion or something, you're going to see people that you used to know from. Uh, previous, previously in your life, you're gonna make yourself look a little bit nicer. You know what I mean? <laughs> you want you don't want to show up like looking like a total. Well, Margie scrub. really let herself go. Oh man, yeah. Margie doesn't look very good. You know that kind of stuff. And I, I think I think it's I think it's that more so than anything. <laughs> okay. Well, and a lot of people would talk about this not really needing to be in there. Like worst scene in the movie. Like why is this here? I bet you feel differently about that. I think it's completely 100% valid that this is here. One, it is fucking hilarious. Really funny. He's this, great. This by guy the way. is so like, you down here on that triple homicide. Oh, you, can you talk a little bit about it? He's like, oh, not really. Okay. <laughs> so An nice. Asian accent with a Minnesota nice yeah, accent it's as well. So good. Oh, yeah. Is I'm it, just so lonely. Is there a good place oh, to Oh, my God. Good place to eat around here. Oh, hey, while well, I got you, is there a good place to eat around here? The Radisson. 
Uh huh. Is it reasonable? <laughs> and then it, and then sure again it it's pops up again. It's like the Radisson. It's like and it's like oh yeah you know it's uh, it's Radisson so you know it's pretty good. <laughs> I always liked it, Marty. It's pretty good. So I always good. liked it. I liked you so much. <laughs> liked you so much, Marty. God damn no! I think this, I'd rather you sit over there. <laughs> this is definitely uh, needs to be here because I think it, it uh, is paramount to um, Margie as a character. Um, I really think that she is de- she is so okay with going to a crime scene and be like, nah, just thought I was going to barf. She's just <laughs> pregnant and looking at a crime scene, looking at three dead bodies, and she's like, oh, looks like that's a defensive wound. Like, it's just jolly about it. Wound. And then the only time she's like kind of shocked by like anything is that Mike lied to her. Yeah. And that's it. I think it's because it, it's, it is the only thing that surprises her. Yeah. You know? She knows what she's getting into all along the way. Oh, triple homicide, huh? Oh. oh. Well, all right. I'll be down there. Oh, well, where's our other one? Where's the trooper at? Oh, he's up the road there. Oh, okay. Well, we might as well go take a look at that trooper. That kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like that. no point is she shocked by this because she knows what to expect. It's a triple right. homicide. Okay, cool. And I'm a cop, so it's fine. But then it's like, well, I didn't expect Mike to be lying to me about literally everything he said. Yeah. And that's why that's people say it's, it's paramount to the movie because that is the moment <clears throat> where she realizes that, like, people lie. And 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 what if Jerry's lying to me? Yeah, it's sort of the moment. That's when she goes back when she talks to the girl on the phone and reali- finds out Mike was lying about everything. Then she immediately goes back to Jerry with like more force this time. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's it's almost imp- one of the most important scenes of the movie. Yeah, because to help get this done. Yeah, because she goes and talks to Shep, which I imagine Shep is a uh, mechanic at the dealership. Yes, right? yes. And then and so it talks to Shep, and Shep's not giving a lot, but. It's, but he is also, he's lying. So he, she's like, well, I can't imagine that you wouldn't remember somebody calling you at 3 a.m. having a conversation. And then, so there's another lie. And then it goes back again. Well, now I'm, now I'm back at the dealership. I'm going back to Jerry and now catching him in this lie. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's like from there, she starts seeing all the lies. Yeah. yeah. And this is where it gets like so much out of hand, where uh, Wade feels like he needs to take it upon himself to go collect the money from them himself. And like as he's leaving, Jerry's like, God, God, God damn it. Like, yeah. I, so it could be dangerous. But like, you know, he, he got himself into all of this shit. And I just <laughs> love Steve Buscemi's performance on, uh, in this movie so much, especially when Wade shows up. He's like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Or he's like, starts out, he's like, who the fuck are you? He's like, give me my goddamn daughter. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, he's just so pissed off and fed up with this like n- happy, nice, passive-aggressive Minnesota Midwestern kind of thing. He's, he's like, I want to get the fuck out of here, get my money, and we're done. Well, you know? Yeah, and uh, Wade, Wade on his way is doing the rehearsal thing, too. Kind of, he's like kind of re- rehearsing oh, his lines, kind of like <laughs> yeah. Jerry was doing. And, oh, uh, and I, I thought that was kind of funny. And he pulls up, and he he really just kind of sticks to his own script, as opposed to true, yeah, yeah, you know, trailing off and ends up. That's his demise. Yeah, it is. That's that's uh. It, again, there's a point where I I end up just feeling really bad for Wade. Actually, now now when I think back on everything we've been talking, you about. feel bad for everyone in this yeah, movie. That's a good point. And something about out of respect uh, for the dead. Yes, of course. <laughs> something about these fucking parking garage attendants, like. <laughs> dying on mountains they're like oh, man. like i know you were just in there for five seconds but you got to pay the four dollars and this motherfucker like we don't see him die when he comes out he's like open the fucking gate that guy was like well i'm gonna need you to pay your ticket yeah and that's why he got killed you think that's what happened oh I, yeah or do you think he just had a bad previous experience with the other attendant and he's like 
he he gives him a chance. He's like, all oh, these the guys fucking are the game. same. <laughs> Over the fucking game. You know, he's like, well, oh, what happened to your face there? I'm gonna need you to. I need your ticket though, or else I can't open it. Pop. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Like so, these it. motherfuckers, they're dying on dying on hills. That oh, if yeah. that if I was a parking garage attendant and that fucker drove in, I'd be like, go See ahead. You. Get yeah. out of here. You're good. Hit that button. You're good. Yeah. See you later. And Jerry's literally following the trail of, <laughs> of chaos like yeah. as he goes along. And I, I love the shot of him when he's on top of the garage and he just sees Wade's body, stays there for a second, <sighs> and then up comes the trunk. I'm like, God damn, he's just he's still like at this point, go to the fucking police. You know, but he's <laughs> like, I, I still need to keep this ruse going. You know, it's, it's he's just digging himself deeper. Yeah. He at no point will he just call it. Yeah, you know, and so he disposed of Wade's body somewhere. You would think, yeah, or at least just kept it in the trunks. I don't I know. Is that think. is that what happened? Well, maybe he's I, not maybe digging I, a hole anywhere. No, maybe I maybe I kind of um, uh, maybe I missed that or something. Because like, I always doesn't see want he, the cops he, involved. So he, he pops he, the trunk open. He pulls Wade in, basically, yes. and that's what happens. Okay, and cleans up the scene. Okay, I see. Interesting. But then, uh-huh. literally, like a psychopath, goes back to work, and that's the thing. And when he gets home. Stan Grossman called. Stan Grossman <laughs> oh, called. Twice. Twice. You want to call him back? Uh, I think I'm going to go to bed. You going to call Stan? He's <laughs> like, yeah, he just, he, he is just, um, he, he's, he's a sociopath at this point. Like yep. he's, he's shut down completely. Like he's blocking all this out. And then he ends up going, like you said, goes back to work. Yeah. Well, scene four, Marge goes back to visit Jerry, but he flees. On the way to Moose Lake, Carl discovers the briefcase contains $1 million. He removes 80000 to split with Gare. Gare? Gare? Gare. Gare. Sure. Then buries the rest in the snow alongside the highway. At the cabin, Carl is killed by Gare. Okay, so once again, this is another one of the best scenes in this movie. Has none exactly of the, what you're going to say. None of the main characters in it at all. <laughs> it's just the po- police guy goes to the guy who is... <laughs> Doing the most Midwestern winter thing and, and getting the ice out of the way, you yeah, know, getting the slush it. off the driveway. Uh, so you think I'm a jerk? He says, only I, you don't use the word jerk. Says, says the last guy that called me a jerk is dead now, so I don't say nothing. So he says, what do you think about that? And I says, well, that don't sound too good for him then. <laughs> yeah. So he says that guy's dead and don't don't mean of old age. And he says, geez, I'm going crazy out there at the at the lake. White Bear Lake? Yeah, well, Eklund and Swedland, that's closer to Moose Lake, so I made that assumption. <laughs> so I made that assumption. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. This is just the per- like one of the best scenes in cinema history. Yeah. My God, I love this so much. That's because a rando, too, right? Like the guy the guy that he's talking to, isn't he's like, he's not an actor. Right? I don't see him in anything. And that's the thing also about the Coens is that they have these side characters who like are in one scene. But they're like so good. They seem so real. They I I know this guy. You know I've seen him. I've talked to him like randomly before. You know, right. or like in No Country for Old Men when Javier Bardem goes into the, I I think it's like the trailer park thing and that guy's like uh, that girl. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, that he's he's just like I'm not giving you any information about our residents or whatever. It's like he, she's so stuck about it. <laughs> yes. Like and but he's a psycho killer and he's yeah. the only one to bring him down. That performance is so good and i think just like it it ruminates of how how well this world is and how believable it is yep. and like these side characters really fulfill that and this whole conversation is so midwestern so minnesota it's so fucking perfect and it adds so much to it because even the cops are even the cops are everybody knows everybody yeah oh hey how are you hey mr mr hare or whatever his name is mr uh mr mar and he says 
it, it's oh yeah well how's it going yeah so well, it's supposed to be a get, get a lot colder tomorrow you have to end i mean they, they they didn't talk weather so they they need to get that weather conversation yep. in to end their conversation right. yep. and and like if you if you had sent me the scene if i've never seen it and you said hey uh new letter kenny season here's the trailer <laughs> that that is it this won. this genius repetition of lines and and presented like this fucking letter kenny all in one shot too it's it, it's so good man it, and yeah. that's that's again for some reason that it's my it is my favorite moment in this entire movie and it is very short and i already made mention of it before but when he says yeah, so i made that assumption <laughs> end of story <laughs> <laughs> Because he's just waiting for him to keep going. He's like, okay, well, then okay. that's all. Well, I just wanted you. to get your statement. Thanks for calling in. I uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably nothing there, Mr. Mayor, but uh, you know, <laughs> do appreciate you calling it so in. So I called it in. So I called it in. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, it's my favorite. Uh, looks like she's going to turn in the next uh, yeah, days. cold front coming through. Oh, yeah. And you have to, when you're talking weather, you have to look up and look around <laughs> as if you can see the cold front coming right, in. Right? Right. You have to do it. The blue, the big blue lines with the, with the circles on it. <laughs> and, the, and, and then the there's, there's the warm front with the spiky, <laughs> the red one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's about to clash. Probably get a little snow coming here. Yeah. I, I know that apparently, do you guys watch the TV series at all? Yeah. I've seen the first like three seasons or so. So, so I have not, but I like to think of what, movies like this always leave things open-ended and you get to believe like what you believe. So so Buscemi's character buries that briefcase. It's going to thaw out in a couple months. So like some random fucking farmer is going to find this shit kind yeah. of a deal. But I know that apparently in season one, they like add that storyline in there. Someone they, finds the briefcase. They haphazardly mention it as this other story that's not connected to this at all is going on. I kind of oh, want this to be the start of No Country for Old Men too. Like ah, like it just keeps yeah. it just oh, keeps yeah. getting passed along this briefcase. That's, and that's great. That'd be amazing. A cool like that. just a ever everlasting MacGuffin throughout yeah, the Coen brothers. That'd be amazing. <laughs> my my question here is um why why would uh why would Carl want to stick with the car? I don't know. If if it basically Carl's demise was ba- pretty much borderline over this car, Carl's demise was going back. It, it, maybe he thought like I'll just tie up this loose end and I can be gone. But instead, he tries to give the him his truck, he's got and he's got a and he's like dollars. I'm taking that cut the Sierra. Okay. Well, why why di- again? Literally die on that <laughs> hill of taking that car when he's got. He's just going to go back and get that million dollars. He can go get a different car from a used car lot and move on. He could have he could have showed truck. up and gone, "Listen, dude, hey. like I I I here's the $80,000. I just want to live. I got shot. I got like, I I, I got to go. Yeah. I'm going to take this car. You keep $80,000 like I'm the fuck out." Yeah. Why 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 let uh $40,000 be the reason but you've got a whole suitcase of nine hundred and twenty thousand dollars. guy's a psychopath he just yeah. killed he just killed gene and dude. that's dude i i so I think glossed over after watching this movie i don't know how many times but like this time i'm like doesn't gene live and like this time like they just show her body quick and there's blood on the stove and too she, and he's like he just she just got out of hand again i'm like oh, oh she was fuck. shrieking she just he just she wouldn't shut her. up or something like that i was so shocked just to be like wow and then, like on the car ride, as we'll get to later, she's just like, and that's that's her, that's uh, London Guard's wife. I'm like, I don't know. That just that, it just broke my heart. Yeah, because she, like she did nothing wrong. Yeah, I know. And that I think that's you know most of these people 
really did nothing wrong yeah. except for Jerry. Yeah. And that's that's really it. And obviously, well, these two cold-blooded murderers. But however, <laughs> who knows what they've done previously. <laughs> but uh, that's that's the thing. And that's what I think makes it so sad or like, you know, um, like, or, uh, like yeah, it makes it just basically a sad story. Yeah, and, and you're it, right. It's just so glossed over. Yeah. And even like the filmmaking. Carl doesn't care. He's yeah. like, oh, you killed her, whatever. The filmmaking makes it a point to be like, oh, yeah, she's dead. <laughs> kind and of. Like, and you're like, I had a note that said, is is she dead? Yeah. And then the last time I watched, I go, oh, yeah, she's dead. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I I had to, I just looked it up, confirmed, um, because they have a body count that you can find for this movie. And yeah, she's one of the seven people uh, that uh, by the end of the movie is is dead. Well, boys, final scene. Marge drives to Moose Lake, sees the Sierra, and then discovers and captures Gare. Shortly afterwards, Jerry is arrested at a motel outside Bismarck, North Dakota, and Marge returns home to her life with Narm. Uh, I've seen previous to this where she visits Jerry for the last time. And um, there's a point where, like, he does get upset. And he's like, well, I'll just go do a goddamn uh, lot check. (laughs) Do a lot If it's so important to you. He's like, are you going to go right now? Darn tootin' I am. (laughs) Well, you're darn tootin'. And uh, he leaves. And then she's kind of there alone. And Marge Marge gets done arguing with Jerry. And she's alone in his office. She's very serious at this point and is looking around the office. Then sees a picture of Jerry's wife. And then she kind of like gets a little smirk on her face. She's like, oh, nice they, family. They must, man. they must have a nice family, you know. That is the epitome of March. Yep. Right there. Very serious <laughs> chief, like policewoman. Yeah. And uh, takes her job very seriously and is serious with this uh, asshole she's dealing with at this point. And then, like, sees a picture. She's like, oh. That is the epitome of her character. And I think that's why she won best performance I, on I think it's. I think it's even in that same scene. The way she's like, he's fleeing the scene. He's fleeing the scene. <laughs> he's fleeing the scene. <laughs> and then she's like, ah, how do I work this? How do you get an outside line? And it stays on her for just a little bit too long. And it's yeah. so perfect. Looking ah, out the, like, ah, ah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it almost feels improvised how, yeah. how good that scene is. For yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, 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 well, I, uh, I, I, uh, the the scene of of her driving and uh, she's going around. Oh, I just figured I'd take a quick spin around the lake here, and you know, I won't be heading out back soon. And then when somehow, <laughs> for, like the moment that she sees the the uh, Sierra. tan Sierra, I think that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. Well, tan, there it is, there it is. Like for some reason, like that got me. Like oh gosh, like this it's going got, down. This is scary. It's kind of scary at this point. Um, for her to see the car, and then the guy on the other line is like, "All right, Margie, we'll just take it easy. We're gonna send someone else out <laughs> there. The okay, and that's like, the we'll get down. someone out there." Uh, and but in that same tone of like, "Okay, well, just take it easy. We'll get someone else out there to help you." And her going through that, and uh, it is a very, it is a very eerie approach um, at this point. After mm-hmm. we, after we see. What happened between Carl and Gare, and then Started her <laughs> walking up on that? On that, you're scene. hearing it. Yeah, yeah. it's getting louder every that? cut that it makes. And I think, I think you just try to, you try to like convince yourself that that's probably not what it is. Nah, it is fine. <laughs> you know he's just I mean? got a, he's uh, drilling for an ice fishing hole. Right, right. That's, yeah, that's one of those doing. things. Oh, he's, man. he's sawing down a tree to get more yeah, fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cold winter. Uh, cold front's coming. In. That's right. That's it, right. right. It, it is so many, so menacing and so iconic that. 
fucking foot sticking out of there, man. Oh my yeah. God. And just the 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 again huge spray of bright red blood on the yeah. on the on the uh, clear as day uh, white snow. You know, foot it doesn't work that if thing. that isn't snow. I mean, come on, it doesn't, right? It has to be snow. It's yeah. so good. And then this the the scene, he's just getting mommed the whole way to jail. Like, yeah. She was like, so good. "Why would you do that, young man?" But it's also, I think this is the scene where she definitely deserved the uh, best performance for this. Where she's just like, "Oh, you, all that for a little bit of money, huh?" Seven dead people, and it's such a nice day. Like, <laughs> it's not really a nice. It just day. gives me chills. <laughs> and and yep. but like she thinks it's a nice I know, day. I know, and that's what I Sun's love out. about her. Yeah, I love yeah. her. I love her so much, and she's that 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 is. That and the scene previous that I was describing is the epitome of of Marge. Gunnison. Yeah, I feel like that foot sticking out of the uh, wood chipper is is basic. It just looks like a, a is that your prop? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> it it looks like it looks like a an unused Metallica CD cover or something. Like, <laughs> you're just like okay, <laughs> but it's it's again. I I I love it. I I <laughs> master of wood chips, ma- master of chippers. Um, like, I just think that we get another piece of repetition um, from the Coen brothers. They're just never afraid to reuse ideas and scenes. And we see that with Marge shooting at Gare from while he's running on the lake, pretty much mm-hmm. on that frozen lake. When Gare was doing that to the guy trying to escape the car crash initially, True. you know, and yeah. so it's just again, it's just they don't mind giving these little reminders of how things panned out previously. Um and uh, yeah, and then and then finally we get to see Jerry, and I don't know. That just seemed a little it's, lackluster to me. It 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 fully circles how sad and pathetic his life has become. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. It's heartbreaking this scene, and he's like like screaming like a little child or like a like a like a hyena getting netted in the in the wild or something. Yeah. You know, it's just like God damn. He, and he's, he's in his underwear. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, okay, I'll be there in a minute. Okay. <laughs> he's still and he's still such an idiot. They go they his alias is apparently Mr. Anderson. Anderson. And they're like, "Mr. Anderson, who?" Like he doesn't yeah. even he doesn't even remember his fucking alias. Is this your burgundy cutlass out here? What? Ah, uh, yeah. And but like I think this is the cut of the movie. The fucking moment where you, where they like drive it home you've got this sad pathetic jerry getting arrested and in just like his life is nothing and whoosh, immediately to norm on the bed yes who's just like in a warm bed he he has the greatest relationship with his wife who uh, it's mostly solely based on food. Is that is their relationship? <laughs> yeah. But uh, hey, but they get along. That's love. That's they, a love they, they don't argue about what restaurant to go to. Exactly. Like, they fucking know. <laughs> and like Norm, Norm is like this anti stereotypical male who's like not the breadwinner of the family. Sure, he's an artist, and he fucking loves his wife. And is I I had that moment with Molly where she, like she was like a month from giving birth Two to Norm, and it was kind of like here it goes. We're almost there. You know, like, 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 it's a beautiful juxtaposition to fucking shit ass Jerry's life to like Norm. I started you tearing it, up. I started tearing up, especially when uh, Marge has her line. She's like, "Heck, Norm, you know we're doing pretty good. We're doing, we're doing pretty, pretty good." good. It's just, <laughs> oh, I guess. Man. Hey, you know, if anything's gonna put it into perspective, it's uh, Jerry getting arrested for embezzlement and murder. Yeah, I'd say you're doing um, pretty good. I think you're doing okay. <laughs> 
It's uh, a three. It's only just a three being cent a normal stamp. human. It's a three cent stamp. A three cent stamp. It's, like, it's it's wonderful. It's, is what it is. Oh, for Pete, it's wonderful. Is <laughs> you what... think so, Marge? Nah, so. Uh, uh, so. uh, <laughs> you want some potato chips? <laughs> <laughs> do you know? The do you know? Twill got the twenty six cent. <laughs> I, I don't know much about John Carroll Lynch. I just know he's been in a lot of things, yeah. right? The thing that blew my fucking mind, though, is that he's Twisty the Clown in American Horror Story. Oh, oh shit! I didn't know That's that. That's crazy. That is him. That's terrifying. He play, he I plays don't like that it, but terrifying clown. I know he's in one of one of my favorite performances. He's in um, uh, Zodiac. Oh yeah, yeah. He's so good. In oh Zodiac. my god, yeah, yeah. Damn. I, I, I since we're finishing up on on you know. Him and Marge, and uh, they, I loved it because there was another piece of info that said like that John Carroll Lynch and uh, uh, Marge, sorry, Francis uh, McDormand, Francis McDormand came up with their little backstory kind of by themselves. Oh, cool. They came up with that together. So cool. The Coen brothers asked them to do that to just okay, kind of get, get into get the story. characters, and I think that they came up with was that they were both police officers. Oh, and Margie Whoa. was actually a better police officer. Oh, and so with, with the with the child coming, one of them they had to decide who was going to quit and oh. like kind of stay home. And you got your art thing. Norm too, went you to know? painting and doing Fishing. that stuff, and and Margie stayed because she was a better cop. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. So it's like Norm does have this very dejected kind of a, a, a presence. But at the same time, he still, in the end, seems happy. He just seems tired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I do really like the relationship. I think that it ends on such a great point of them together in bed, and they're doing good. We're doing we're all doing right. Good. And Two we're happy. Months. Two more months. <laughs> it's a beautiful ending. It really is. And that's our... Actually, real quick, we got to do prop, though, don't we? Yeah, we Ooh, should do prop. Here's a prop. I'm going to tell you what my prop is. I'm thinking about wearing uh, robes. A lot more now. Oh. I want Norm's like weird flannel robe that he has on in the beginning of the movie. We're sitting in the kitchen. Okay, something about that color scheme. I'm like, I could, I could wear that. Coen Brothers in robes, man. I want it, dude. <laughs> I want a yeah. robe. I want Norm's robe. Nice. I'm gonna break into the Minnesota Library of Congress, wherever the fuck this thing is, because it's somewhere in Minnesota, and grab that wood chipper and take it inside of our studio. Cool. Inside the studio. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know what I. <laughs> You know what? There's there's something about um, all, all the the marketing <laughs> stuff, and so when she pulls up to that Hardee's, <laughs> I want that Hardee's like <laughs> signed like like the the whole board. Yeah, the whole board just right behind you. I right just over think there. it's so funny, like looking at that stuff. Like hello from now, hello and her. And and I just think about you that too. You don't need that scene. You don't, <laughs> you need, don't that, need it. But, but you, you do. You, but you have her pulling through a Hardee's <laughs> on her because that's what you end up doing. I just want to get out of Minnesota or get out of Minneapolis. Let's just get out of out of the city yes. before we stop for some food. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. Well, let's just wait. We'll get out of town and then we'll stop. And oh. she finds this Hardee's in a small town and is and then she's eating it and she just looks completely just like. Ugh. It's whatever. Yeah. It's whatever. Yeah. So just, just, but there's right. something about that sign, man. Hell yeah. All right, dudes. We have dissected this with a scene-by-scene scene analysis. We got modern-day ratings to give. Sean, I think I'm going to let you start. What do you want to give this modern-day rating? I think this movie is an absolute fucking masterpiece. And uh, just about a perfect movie. You know, I think there's a handful of perfect movies out there. Like, you know, you could say Shawshank Redemption. Maybe, like, even Halloween. Jaws, Fargo is a perfect movie. It, I was shocked to rewatch this and see that it was only an hour and a half. 
I'm like, I remember this movie being way longer, and it's just because when I was younger, I just didn't have the patience for these right. kinds of movies. And this movie flies by. I think, like I said, almost every scene is my favorite scene, and it changes upon every rewatch that I do. The casting is perfect. Uh, Francis McDormand deserved this. I think it's a performance of a lifetime. And William H. Macy deserved an Oscar for this movie. He needs an he needs an award for just acting in yes. general. Yeah, and because of this role, this is I don't see him at all in this role. I see Jerry. Yep. Even though you know it's blank face William H Macy, obviously he's right there. I only see Jerry. I only yeah. see this pathetic person. Uh, the filmmaking is incredible. I think it's uh, an absolute masterpiece. I'm I'm gonna give it a. <sighs> mm. Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna go eight point nine. 8.9 AJ what about you so I give I give this movie all the credit in the world for the directing the writing the production of it you know I think the cast is really great and everything um there are there are just points in like with with Coen Brothers movies that they are they are a I can't I can't do the thing that somebody I think mentioned is like I could rewatch this every single day, you know, like I could watch this every day. I was like reading people saying like, oh, I'd watch it. And it's only 90 minutes. So it makes it real palatable, you know, and I'm I'm just sitting there thinking like I couldn't I could not watch this every day. This is a this is for a certain time. And you should take the time to appreciate the movie, not have it on the background. Right. And so it's not an incredibly rewatchable movie to me, if I'm being completely honest. Um I think technically and everything about it, about making a movie, it's wonderful. It really is. However, I don't want to sit down and watch this movie uh, like every all the time. I really don't. It's, it's, whether whether it's because it's honestly just kind of depressing, or if it's because um, although it's a fast movie, I feel like it paces very slow. It's just the way I feel about it. So that being said, it's it's a wonderful movie and it deserves all the credit in the world. However, for me, it's just not. It's just not something I need to keep revisiting. So um, I, that being said, I think I'm going to go ahead and give this um, a 7.1. 7.1 for AJ. Interestingly enough, uh, I own this DVD in a dual DVD, Raising Arizona and Fargo. Oh, yeah, so do I. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Ooh, very nice. Look at comp- oh, look, oh, look at us. Ah, DVDs. Ooh, DVDs. Oh, me, we're combo brothers. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I find this. These were two movies that I watched initially and was like, eh, well, I don't really get it. And then two movies because of this show, the rewatch, where I've been like, fucking love these movies. Both of them. I actually feel like they're on par with each other, doing the same thing, telling a great story, making me laugh. Making me be like, what the fuck? I love them both equally. I gave Raising Arizona an 8.1. I'm going to bump this up to an 8.2. Wow. I think Fargo's slightly better. And we got executive producer Josh Miller, who chose this movie. He says, after rewatching it, my memory proves me right. It's a good movie, not a great movie. I think it's fair to say that the nostalgia of this movie is better than the actual movie. But isn't that kind of the point we're going for? I'm not trying to be overly critical. It's much better done without any substantial faults compared to higher rated movies. I still love Macy as Jerry. I love the story of how badly he wanted this part, so much that he threatened to kill the Cohen's dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. McDormand's <laughs> part, while well done, I don't know if I agree that it was Oscar worthy. Okay. 
I do like the way the Coens film their movies. They have a distinct style feel like Lynch movies, Fairly movies, hell, even Michael Bay films. We'll see you in May. (laughs) Yes, we will. Their big wide shots, their writing and dialogue, the way they score. Overall, I think they hit their stride with this one. I still think their best work is Brother Where Art Thou. Mm. Uh, I don't see myself racing out to watch this again, maybe in another 20 years. I don't own it on Blu-ray or DVD, so that might say something. But if someone wanted to watch it or asked should they watch it, I would give it a quick and solid yes. My modern-day score dips a little, but not too much. 7.1, just like AJ. So that is a 7.83 for a modern-day rating, which, you know, might be a little bit lower than you thought, but that's going to tie it. Ready for this? Number 35, that's going to tie with Monster Squad. Hmm. Whoa. Uh, And Just for a little more perspective, American Psycho is slightly better than that. And uh, planes, trains, and automobiles slightly less than that. Yeah, this movie is where should, that falls. This movie should be at least an eight overall on our show. Where, where does where does Raising Arizona fall into that? Uh, Raising Arizona was higher. That was an eight point one seven. Wow. Okay. This so movie I, should be at least an eight point two. Yeah, we're gonna riot. <laughs> okay. I think our fans officially are gonna riot. Yep. People are pissed. But, but I, th- this is the kind of movie that you're either like fucking perfect masterpiece or it's okay. Yeah. I think it just depends. Sorry, Sean. Guess you'll have to go back and give it a 10. Yeah, that's fine. Guess you're going to have to. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in and being here. Next week, we got a bonus top five movies from 1999. Following that up with Big Trouble in Little China. We're finally doing it. Big Trouble in Little China. Also, if you're new to the podcast, go back this time last year. Tommy Boy. Oh, man. Oh, just saying. If you want to, if this was a little dark for you, go back to Tommy Boy. Give it a I, listen. I've been quoting Tommy Boy recently. I don't know why. I, I might just go back and listen. There you go. There wow. you go. That's and don't forget, we have a voicemail. Call us at 319-804-9596. Leave us some feedback like today's caller. All right, guys. I just got done listening to The Fifth Element, and it's the final straw that broke the camel's back. I can't do it anymore, guys. I love you, but I have almost crashed so many times <laughs> with how hard I laugh at you guys. The thought of the fifth element breaking into song and singing Summer Night killed me. And although it was an easy joke from a comedic standpoint, the one you missed was the actual line from the song, Did She Put Up a Fight? And in my mind, the song stopped. Bruce Willis goes, Yeah, she held a gun to my head. I almost hit four cars right off the bat. You guys kill me. I love you. Ten out of ten. Give it up. <laughs> he took you on a little ride there. Huh? <laughs> yeah, he thought he was going to quit. <laughs> you know the straw that finally broke the camel's back? You saying Vin Diesel. That's it. Was in Fifth Element. He wasn't Finger. He so, wasn't Fingers. Yeah. His name's Dominic Toretto, and he's all about he family. He can only play one character <laughs> in any movie. And, and he cannot change his voice. No. <laughs> and he cannot change his voice. He doesn't do that, okay? But you... <laughs> Do, in fact, leave us reviews and five-star reviews, even though you might hate us for saying Vin Diesel uh, was in The Fifth Element. That's completely fine. But make sure you write a review about it, okay? And you can tell us all about it. Uh, Make sure you also check us out on social media, at Confused Breakfast, anywhere on social media. And make sure you're getting at us on YouTube, because we're having lots of fun here at the set, guys. Come to ConfusedBreakfast.com and get some of our merch. You know you want to get some shirts. You want to get some mugs. You want to get some... uh, I see some... Yeah, there's some buttons. Yeah, 
I don't ever watch our YouTube. But um, <laughs> you can also go to that same damn website and see where this movie was wrongfully done and uh, not given at least an 8.3, 8.2. And then you can see our individual ratings as well, see our top tens and everything. So thank you. Yeah, you got to go support us at patreon.com slash confusedbreakfast. That's where you get bonus audio. You get private Discord channel access, voting on upcoming movies. Every week there is just an episode waiting for you that no one else gets to hear but you. Yeah. And we are produced by Upload Media Group in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Craig on the controls. Thank you, Craig. Uh, get more at UploadMediaGroup.com. Also, we are on the Cloud 10 iHeart Podcast Network. More info there at Cloud10.fm. That's it. Don't you know? You betcha. You betcha. That was a good episode. Uh, Cold Front's coming in, too, I You're think. darn tootin'. Darn tootin' it is. You gotta are watch out. Are we square? Out. We're square. Are we square? <laughs>